Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it. All that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic Drive-Ins. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find a variety of podcasts with Julia Lippman, including Food News, Bachelor Party. You're on Ringer Dish. You're on so the Rewatchables many. right now. My name is Bill Simmons. We're going to be doing Adventureland, a movie that got a little bit lost at the end of the 2000s and now is an absolute gem. It's next. On April 3rd... I don't have much work experience. You are... Hired. The director of Superbad asks, did your first job suck this much? Oh my God. You'll get better at avoiding that. The Onion Raves. Adventureland is very funny. You get a five-minute bathroom break every two hours. I recommend saving a few of those up in case you have to go number two. The director of Superbad makes a triumphant return. I think I should probably be on the rides department. No, you're more of a game guy. Gary, you're very gamey. Let's party! You're guaranteed to have a good time. People are trying to kill me. Get out of my doorway! You don't know what I'm capable of! Thanks, Bobby. Hey, no problem. Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, Martin Starr, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, and Ryan Reynolds. Every time you meet a beautiful woman, don't you imagine what she'd look like naked? Coming? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll be in a second. Overhead him! You got him! Adventureland. You been drinking drugs? No. Your eyes are red. Have you been crying? Yeah, maybe like a little bit. Radar in theaters April 3rd. All right, Adventureland came out in 2009. Did okay, not great. I think it's it's gained steam over the years. It is certainly the definition of rewatchables. You can jump into it really at any point. It's a Greg Matola movie that has Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, Ryan Reynolds, Kristen Wiig, and Bill Hader. Yeah. You should start there. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're all really good in it too. They're all, they're all at a really fun time in their careers, which we'll get into. But I, I think one of the reasons I love this movie is it blends three different things that I enjoy just in general as a movie fan. One, 
the post-college malaise movie, as mm-hmm. you know, Kicking and Screaming, one of my all-time favorites, which we've already done in the rewatchables, but that I've graduated. Oh, I thought I was going to do this. Wait, I'm not doing that. Oh my God, what's going on with my life? So you got that. There's a virgin movie DNA to mm-hmm. this going back to the 80s and uh, specifically Last American Virgin, um, which is just an absolute freak show of a movie that uh, I think everybody <laughs> from the 80s has seen. But somebody who falls in love with somebody else, uh, turns out she's also having an affair with a friend. So you have that whole thing. And then you also have with Matola, he hits it big with Superbad, which opens the door for the, this is the movie I've actually always wanted to do movie. Right. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of a zag from Superbad, but this is based on a lot of his experience. So it's a very personal movie. And you add all that stuff together with the cast, and this is aged just really nicely. It's, it's so good. I also would say a fourth thing is, like, the sanctity of summer. I feel like that's a real mm. East Coast thing where people just, like, love to hold on to those, like, 10 weeks and milk them for all that you can. And I feel like the arc of that is also really good for a coming-of-age story like this, especially your first summer after college. But it's it's really amazing. I mean, everyone is, is so funny in it. And it also has the Judd Apatow DNA because he directed a lot of episodes of Undeclared. Um and yeah, it's it's a it's a great it's just a great movie. It is so rewatchable. Like everything about it is the definition of you tune in when you can. You're happy to catch the whole thing, but if you only catch a scene, it's great. It 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 fits the bill perfectly. I like your summer point because summer gives movies like this a natural beginning, middle, and end. Right? It's like oh, yes. summer. What am I gonna do? Boom, you go. Uh, you know, most famously in a, a key season of nine hundred two one zero. Of course. <laughs> Where they they graduate junior year and then it's like, what are we gonna do? Brendan and Donna go to France. No, but the the summer thing, you always know that you're headed towards some sort of ending in the back of your head and that you know things are gonna get lit. I think in this case, one of the one of the things I think that I found this movie so rewatchable, and I I liked it the first time. I didn't love it because I thought it was so depressing. <laughs> kind of the last half hour where he's just kind of outsider. Outside her house, she's with Ryan Reynolds. They have that fight in the street. They kind of end up together. But over and over again watching, I think one of the things I like when somebody doesn't really know what they're going to do with their life and then they get thrown with all these other people who kind of don't know either and they just immediately become your best friends. Yeah. And it's like, who has weed? Where are we going tonight? Let's go hang out in a car. And you just get a fresh start with this whole new group of people that you didn't know five minutes ago. And I think that ca- this movie captures that too. Definitely. And it's such, it is such a summer thing. Cause like, it's like a break from what else is happening. It's like your real life happens from September to June. And then in July and August, you have like your summer friends or your, you know, like that, that one summer at the beach, like Greece picks up like right where that, that point ends. And it's like a, it's a pretty universal phenomenon. And there's that one scene, um, which is like right at the end of like, first hour of the movie where they're after um, uh, Martin Starr gets beat up like all the people like everyone who works together is like standing in like an informal circle smoking weed and that is also like so true to life like people who are just kind of like milling around ending up in like a misformed circle and trying to figure out like who's the leader it just it just feels so real a whole bunch of people who would probably never hang out together even one-on-one under any of the circumstances none of them individually but I guess maybe the Martin Starr character in Eisenberg they might hang. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't I, I don't know. Just nobody has anything in common. 
Yeah. The the thing that really differentiates uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character, James Brennan, is all the books he ostentatiously reads, which is like so funny. And uh, the weed is the equalizer for all of them. He brings him into the group and he provides for all. There's a late 80s piece to this too. Obviously, it's going backwards. It's set in Pittsburgh, 1987, which was, you know, I was a little younger than these characters, but around the same age. But they, there was something about the late 80s where there's not even close to any internet yet. Everybody has the same kind of pop culture experiences, but really you're just, there's a lot of killing time and there's a lot of like, oh, somebody's parents are away. Let's go hang out in their basement for eight hours. And, you know, you're just kind of moving on to the next semi-boring thing, which I think this movie captures too. It's like, yeah. oh, the, the amusement park closes. Let's just keep, let's continue to hang out in the parking lot. Like, do people even do that anymore? Do, I don't know. It's a, aren't it's there really better options question. now in, in 2023 to be like, oh, let's hang out in the parking lot for two and a half more hours. I feel like you'd go somewhere, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go on my weird message board that I go on, or I'm going to just be on my phone reading TikTok or watching TikTok. Weed is legal in so many places that you don't need like a shrouded parking lot to smoke weed. Like you could just do it wherever. Right. So they're probably more willing to leave and just go to like a different place that's outside. Yeah, that's a good point. The The secret nature of weed back then was such a fun wrinkle. Like, how do you yeah. get it? Who has it? Oh my God, we got to go hide over it. Now it's just, you can freaking stand on the street and smoke. Totally different thing. Uh, let's talk about some of the actors here. So Eisenberg, this is after Squid and the Whale, but before Social Network. Right. And Social Network starts with him getting dumped by his girlfriend. This movie starts with him basically getting dumped <laughs> by his girlfriend. He looks a lot like Zuckerberg in Social Network. Social Network's two years later, but it does feel like uh, almost like a rehearsal for Social Network in some ways. The character Definitely. he's playing and and uh, the way he looks, the outfits he's wearing. I, I don't know. Did you did you catch that too, or is that just me? <laughs> No, definitely. I, I, he had just an unbelievable run in 2009, 2010. And I also thought that, um, you mentioned, um, kicking and screaming. I, I like, it feels very much like a continuation of his squid and the whale character. And like, there's definitely a lot of like, no yeah. bomb back vibes in this. Um, but he starts to like physically transform into that Mark Zuckerberg character. This guy is way less, um, Kind. Like, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is way less kind. This guy is way more yeah. attuned to feelings, but also really bad at dealing with them. Um, but it sort of, I, it, we'll get to this too, but I was just thinking about like, who else Who else could have played this role? And I just like, I, I don't even know. Like, he's kind of so perfect for it. Um, I, I, have no, I have no alternative. I mean, let's be honest. It's on the Michael Sarah corner. Mm. But I don't know if that would have been a good choice for this. Because I think the guy has to... I don't know. There's a he's a tiny bit aggro, which I'm not sure Michael Sarah has. And you could have you could have put him Jonah Hill in this too, but I don't. At this point, Jonah Hill was still like the slapstick sidekick guy, and I don't know if he could have been in this. They don't have the pretentiousness. They don't have the like. I went to Oberlin, and I'm going to tell you about the philosophy that I studied, which I find right. so funny. In like the first 20 minutes of the movie, all of the ways they're skewering going to a small liberal arts college and thinking you know everything, and then realizing you actually know nothing. Like that. Is, yeah, that works really well, and I think. I think Jonah Hill definitely couldn't do that. And Michael Sarah is like a different kind of indie. Um, and I wouldn't buy the pretentiousness from him in the same way, part, partially because of his Arrested Development character. Yeah, Eisenberg always plays variations of this character, which makes me wonder if he's like this in real life. It's like a little bit full of shit and pretentious, but you kind of like him, but he's kind of a dick. And But you're rooting for him, but you're not totally sure why. And then it peaks and 
Fleischman in Trouble, which um, where he just openly plays a fucking asshole in that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jesse Eisenberg is an asshole. He's not. It doesn't seem like he is. No, I don't think so. Although Dakota Johnson, like last year, like had a whole press tour on how he ignored her on the set of The Social Network when Andrew Garfield didn't. I just think he's like very serious. Like I just think that he takes his work and like the things he's interested in really seriously. So I, I don't think he's a dick, but he does, he's able to play pretentious in a way that many actors cannot. So I don't know what that says about him. A lot of people don't know you're one of the hosts of Jewish stuff on the Ringo Podcast <laughs> Network. Where does he, where does Eisenberg rank in the Jewish stuff male lead rankings for you? Very high, very high. I mean, I, I don't think there's a, an heir to the throne. And if you just look at the move, the roles he's played, you mentioned Fleischman, we mentioned the Squid and the Whale, this, Zuckerberg. I mean, it's it, it's really a complete package of Jewish male kind of annoying characters. It's There's a little bit of an heir to the Woody Allen throne with him, even though um, they're completely different. I think Woody Allen was trying to do something different, but for years and years and years... I think Woody Allen was the go-to in everybody's mind of like that type of character that super intelligent, kind of a little too self-absorbed, a little too self-aware, like kind of cracking Definitely. the one-liners. And and it was just Woody Allen for what, 25 years? And then he became, he aged out of the role and wouldn't give it up. And totally. started being in movies with younger actresses, which I think we could, um, we don't need to unpack here. No. But, uh, and now Eisenberg's like, I don't know. He's got to be close to 40 at this point. Who is, who's yeah. the heir to the throne now? I, I don't know. I've been racking my brain for the last few hours, honestly. I, I, the other thing about him in this movie is his physical comedy is actually really good. Like he, he just plays yeah. all, he plays it really well. And like the when he's like moving behind the desk, like in like the games or whatever. Um, it's very funny and very particular, which also kind of reminds me of Woody Allen, the way that he would move in like um, Annie Hall or whatever. And he's just, he's just very good. I, he's not, I don't like him because you're not, not completely supposed to, but he's really convincing, which I guess is acting. I think this is his best movie, like where he feels the most like Jesse Eisenberg and social network. He's a little bit of a sociopath, mm -hmm. but I really like him. The squid and the whale. He's great. He had a really nice run here. Kristen Stewart. She did four twilight movies from 2008 to 2012, which I forgot. And I, I was there for her because my daughter was the Twilight audience. No, I just forgot there was four. Yeah, oh. I just for my head, I would have said two or three. I don't yeah. remember the the fourth one. They, were, um, they split the third book into into two. I mean, the 2010s were Hunger Games and Twilight. Like those were the that was like kind of like pre Marvel takeover. I mean, that was happening, but like those two franchises were so huge. And this was um, after the first Twilight, but before the second. So Kristen Stewart was like. She had broken onto the scene. She was unknown at the time. Um, and now she's like suddenly really famous and does, would you call this an indie movie? I would. Yeah, Even though I so. it had a lot of big people in it and it had a really hot director. I mean, it had a $5 million budget. So I would say that qualifies. <laughs> yeah. um, we knew her dating back. She was a child actress. She was in Panic Room and she was really good in Panic Room uh, oh. with Jodie Foster. Forgot think, about that. Did we do that movie on the rewatchables? I feel like we did. God, we've done I like two eighty at this point. We did. Um, it. Yeah, we did it. Thanks, Craig. Um, and then you know she kind of moves into. I'm, lo I'm looking at the IMDb. A bunch of movies I don't remember until we get to Into the Wild, and then she gets picked for Twilight, coming off Jumper, which I don't right. think really did that well. And this was her first movie after Twilight. 
but somewhere between 2008, 2009, she became a massive star. And they were filming this movie, I think, before Twilight came out. I think, yeah, they filmed it in, in 2007. So she does this. She does another Twilight movie, and then The Runaways, which I, I like. She plays Joan Jett in The Runaways. I think that mm-hmm. movie's pretty good. Um, but it just becomes so famous at this point, and she's like an A++ lister. Where does the Pattinson-Kristen Stewart celebrity relationship end of the 2000s during the last vestige of like the Robertson Boulevard, Paris Hilton, the Us Weekly? This yeah. feels like one of the last Us Weekly relationships where they were just on the cover every week. Yeah. And it kind of bums me out because I think she was an awesome actress and it's almost like she flew too close to the sun there for a little bit. Well, I think she's also just evolved so much. I mean, she became famous at the same time she started dating Robert Pattinson and then she they broke up because she was caught in paparazzi photos making out with Matthew Vaughn. Um, and, you know, which that is was like a good one. one of... One of the last like paparazzi scandals like that in a long time. I mean, I can't remember one quite as big. I feel like we knew each other during that. Yeah, I think it was 2013. So we we were at Grantland. Um, And, you know, I think she's she's been able to evolve a lot since then. I think she was a classic example of like being in this huge franchise, really like limited who she could be in public in a way, especially with um, people being so invested in her and Robert Robert Pattinson. And, you know, now she's basically like... And like a kind of like a, a haute couture model. Like she's sponsored by Chanel. She wears Chanel on every red carpet. Um, you know, she's one of like the probably highest profile openly queer actresses in Hollywood. And she's like evolved so much. Watching her as M. Lewin feels like watching her as a kid. And it, it was a long time ago, but yeah. she's come a really long way. She's a legitimately really good actress. I'm glad for her that she got out of the the twilight zone. Yeah, you look at her last 10 years and it's just not good enough for the the choices she made versus how good of an actress she was. Like she was in Stella Alice in 2014. She was in uh Spencer. She played Princess Diana movie that I I virulently hated, but I think she got nominated for. Her. But just in general, like you see her in this movie, she's so fucking likable. Yeah. She's such a good actress. I, I would say this movie uses all the pieces of her in the best way of any movie I've seen with her. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. I also think the way that um like she's very, very pretty. And I think that she's like allowed to just look like herself. And that's yeah, really cool to see. Um, and <laughs> she's like fun in a way that I think she often didn't get to be in many movies. Fun, but a basket case. But that's being a teenage girl. Yeah, I know. It's it, I almost wish she didn't get Twilight. I would have loved to have seen her career with just... You just removed the Twilight out of it. Because I think, I think she could have grabbed a corner that Jennifer Lawrence grabbed for a couple mm-hmm. years and then Brie Larson grabbed for a couple years. But I, I think she would have been the first choice for a lot of those parts. And yeah, she got locked up and then Jennifer Lawrence, same thing. She, all of a sudden she's in that hunger games world for like two, three years and comes out of it and makes a couple interesting movies. But for the most part, I don't know. I don't love her IMDb choices either. No, it's tough. those it's, franchises are tough because they really they they give you so much fame. You get money from them. You're stuck doing multiple ver- movies of them, and you kind of you can't do what basically le- like what Leo did in the first seven years of the '90s, where he's just like taking movies, taking chances, trying things. You know? Yeah, it's like Hollywood golden handcuffs. It's an amazing problem to have in terms of you know like financial security and getting work, but you can't really take any creative risks. And I think also both Jennifer Lawrence and um, Kristen Stewart, just in terms of their public persona and the way they manage their PR, they both were in really high-profile relationships with um, co-stars, with Robert Pattinson and then 
Nicholas Holt for Jennifer Lawrence. And I think that also, like, it traps you in a way. Because, like, the public person that you are, people are so invested in in your relationship and they feel like they have some kind of, yeah. like, connection to it because they've seen you on screen together. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's unfair. And I just want to say, I'm definitely part of the problem, not the solution on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I think it's particularly hard for young, for young women who are trying to, like, be creative. This is such a good role. I mean... All the the good young actresses from the last 15 years or so have had really good roles like this. You know, like Spectacular Now, Shailene Woodley is just awesome in that movie. Definitely. Jennifer Lawrence has had a couple that used good parts of her, but I I still don't feel like she had her, has she had her version of an adventure land? Maybe it's going to be this movie that comes out this summer, even though she's older now. Um, It's like kind of Silver Linings Playbook, but that movie was so big, but she got to be like Yeah, you're right. It was, yeah, that's a good call. You're right. Yeah. And I think like the other person I was thinking a lot about, Saoirse Ronan, I feel like she got that with Lady Bird, which like, then she'll get to do some other bigger stuff. And like Little Women was pretty big. Brie Larson with Trainwreck, Mm. I thought used, I I thought she stole the movie in a lot of ways. You know, mm. it was just like just caught her at a nice time. She's getting yeah. spectacular now too. But um, I like when people like that are just in normal movies where they get to. Yeah, they don't have to have a superpower. They don't have to be around a vampire. Like they can just be a human. They don't have to be trapped in a room with their yeah. their son as a captive. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Ryan Reynolds who. Um, Got a lot of chances in the 2000s and they kept trying to make it happen really for the whole decade. And then in 2009, he had Adventureland and the proposal with Sandra Bullock. Where do you stand on the proposal? Love. Sandra okay. Bullock's fantastic in it. I, I like it more as a Sandra Bullock vehicle than a Ryan Reynolds vehicle, but I, I do think it's quite a good movie. Um, and just a great Alaska movie. I... um. I wrote a piece from in about I wrote a piece about him for Grantland our first year about the concept of a movie star and we'd hit this point with Hollywood where Hollywood would just pick people they liked and they would just try to get them going and tell us they were stars without having the uh kind of the library yet or the or the goods. He was a really good example of that. Everybody really liked him. Everybody who made movies with him really liked him. And it just couldn't happen and it wasn't happening, wasn't happening. Ironically, I think probably like five, six years after I wrote that piece, that's when Deadpool yeah. and he hits. And now I think he's like an A plus lister. He just sold Mint Mobile for like 1.3 billion. Like he was pretty much a late bloomer in this movie. You know, he's it's not a major part, but it was a really smart choice by him. It was one of the few smart choices I think he made this decade. Yeah. I I um I like never believe in Ryan Reynolds as like a hot movie star. Like it's just, that's not how I think of him. And so like the last 10 years of him have been very surprising. And then did you watch um, Welcome to Wrexham or This is Wrexham, the show with... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, this is this is like a, this is such a career actor. I was, he was really being his pure self in that movie and in that TV show um, about his soccer team <laughs> and with... Um, Rob McElhenney. And I was like, this is, this is the Ryan Reynolds that I recognize from Adventureland. And I think that he should, he's actually like way better to me in the smaller roles, even though he really became a star because of the bigger ones. The Simmons family likes him in Amityville Horror, which is a terrible Hmm. movie and was a remake, but it's still kind of fun. He's a wild career. I mean, from, from National Lampoon from like to, to where he is now, it's just crazy. He had a lot of swings. There was yeah. a lot of movies where there was like Ryan Reynolds is on the poster and it just didn't make it. And then all of a sudden it flipped. $9.8 million budget for this movie made $17.2 million. 
So I was wrong. It was it was twice as much as I said the budget. Roger Ebert, three stars. He was beloved. He said, what surprised me was how much I admired Kristen Stewart, who's in Twilight and was playing below her grade level. Here's an actress ready to do important things together and with the others. Her and Eisenberg make Adventureland more real and more touching than it may sound. I wasn't surprised that Raj gave this three stars. He likes story. He likes character stuff. Um, it's quirky enough. And we didn't mention Bill Hader and, and Kristen Wiig, who they grabbed for four days from SNL and filmed all their scenes cramped together in, in four days. And this was the same year for Bill Hader that he that he broke the Stefan character. He really started to hit on SNL. And Kristen Wiig was probably already the biggest star on the show. Um, and they just kind of zipped through this. He worked with uh, with Matola on, on Superbad. But this is like the perfect way to use Bill Hader in a movie. Just like play a crazy character, throw a mustache <laughs> on you, let's go. <laughs> they're so good. I absolutely love their scenes. They are they're absolutely yeah. hilarious. And they um they bring like almost like a different type of comedy to the movie. So they like they break it up really nicely too. I think it would be kind of a little monotonous without without them. Uh Another reason I'm not surprised Roger Ebert liked it, it's a very tidy movie. It's like a hundred and it's like a hundred minutes long or whatever. And it's like yeah. each act is like 35 minutes. And there's like a clean, there's like a clean cut in between each one. You can tell. It just has like a lot of like classic cinema aspects to it. Yeah. Also, there's a timelessness to it. These movies, when they're set in a certain age, they just don't age. Yeah. Right. We're just Smart. at 1987. That's it. And it's just where we're going to be for the next 40 years of this movie. All right. We're going to take a break and we're going to do uh, most rewatchable scenes. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car get in there and it smells great. And you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, Super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, most rewatchable scenes. This was an interesting exercise because I think the whole point of this movie is it it doesn't have the traditional setup, 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 big scene, setup, 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 big scene. You kind of hang out with the movie, which I think is one of the reasons it's so rewatchable. Um, with that said, a couple choices. Okay. 
J- James's first day, <laughs> where we learn no one ever wins a giant ass panda. If one of the rings lands on one of the red bottles, they win a giant ass panda. That is a giant ass panda. Yeah, it's the best prize in the park, and that's because this game is unwinnable. Observe. I'll drop a ring from three inches away. So nobody ever wins? If someone wins a giant ass panda on your watch, you should just go home because you're fired, okay? So the object of the game is to knock the hat off the dummy with a softball, except, as you'll see, half the hats are glued on. Really? Yeah. I mean, we pay little Malaysian kids 10 cents a day to make these toys. We can't just give them away. You get a five-minute bathroom break every two hours. We find out we have uh, the Flying Dutchman sign. (laughs) We have the doctored (laughs) basketball hoops and the hat stuck on the people you're supposed to knock the hats off. And the people announcing the horse races. And we're just, it's just getting weird. And we're going behind the scenes with these weird carnivals that we've all been to. And we've all wondered what the fuck goes on in these things. And then we're seeing it for real. Like, oh yeah, you can't win. You can't win the throw it on the ring, throw the ring on the uh, bowling pins or whatever that thing is. Um, this is all rigged against the people. It's great. It's it's like the loss of innocence immediately. The movie hasn't even started yet. Uh, and Martin Starr is a very, very good tour guide. He's like, knows all the ins and the outs, but he's completely unfazed, completely jaded by it. And you, like, he sets the tone of like, what are the people like at the, at the, um, at the at an Adventureland, and they're very uh, weird and just like, just like him. I enjoy spending time with Martin Starr's, with Martin Starr's character though, Joel. We should have talked about him at the top. Really nice Spartan star run because he's, he's, you know, he's part of their whole Freaks and Geeks universe, but also crucial in Party Down. Crucial. Which um, I think is a show that everyone felt was underrated as it was happening, but it almost became annoying because people were like beating each other over the head with this show so underrated. But now it actually is underrated. Yeah, um, I agree. Hey, Craig, where do you stand on Party Down? I love Party Down. I think it's fantastic. We were rewatching season one. the The porn award episode, I think, is one of the funniest half hours of TV probably <laughs> of the last fifteen years. Um, but he's a he's big part of this. He kind of plays the same guy in every movie, I guess. Is you know the problem with Martin Starr, but at the same time, that's the pleasure of Martin Starr. You kind of you see him and you're like, oh, I know what I'm getting. What do you think he's most famous for now? Like, is it Silicon Valley? I think that may have taken him to a different I think level. It is. I think it's Silicon Valley. For me, it'll it'll always be Joel from Adventureland. Um, I also I like when actors I don't like play characters I'm not supposed to like. So I really enjoy Adam Scott in Party Down because you don't have to like him, and I'm just like, great, no one's forcing him on me, but he's really funny. So it it all works in in that TV show, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, Martin Starr is just like he if he weren't so famous and Silicon Valley didn't happen, he probably would be that guy because he's just in so much stuff. The new Party Down doesn't have Lizzie Kaplan, the season Tough. three, which is brutal because, as you know, we love Lizzie Kaplan on all the Ringer pods. But she's of course. just one of the greats um, and would have been somebody who would have been really good in this movie. Um, but they they did a really fun gimmick where they she actually made it. She became a huge success. <laughs> oh, that's smart. And everybody else. Yeah. And in the first... First episode, they're uh, they're seeing her. She's on like Entertainment Tonight. She's dating her new co-star, and and they're all kind of like working at a catering thing. Still, uh, it's pretty funny. That's really anyway, funny. More rewatchable scenes. M has a party. Mm. 
This is where we get the boner. I, boner. I've never not laughed hard at any boner joke ever in the history of movies. Boner jokes are always hilarious at all times. Okay. I'll meet you inside. Okay. You got a boner! Brennan's got a boner! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie runs it back later on when they're hooking up oh, at yeah. Ev's house. And it's still funny. It's just very Bo- funny. <laughs> boner jokes win just 100% of the time. I really liked her house. Yeah, it was nice. Nice pool. It was like a cool, it was like a kind of a fixed up 70s house that was... Looked like a 1987 tie. I, I was just good about it. But it also yeah, captured as you know, like stepmom energy really well. Like, oh, the stepmom came in and she tried to transition it from like late 70s to late 80s. Like she was like, I'm yeah, making yeah. my mark. It, and it, it played really well. There's a lot of subtlety to this movie that that like I was saying to Craig, you really have to watch to pick up on. Agree. Um, I love all party scenes. I don't think there's ever been a party scene in a movie that didn't work. And your beloved can't hardly wait. It's just the whole scene is just a party gone wrong. Um, James has a drink with M, which is the scene where the guy's singing hot blooded. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that guy. <laughs> He's, that's another thing that's always going to get me like the cheesy nightclub or the cheesy hotel lounge where there's some singer like that. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, the, the Hangover. Oh, that was yeah. when the Dan band, they, they were just absolutely crushing that. <laughs> just, it's always going to work. I love at the end, right as their band's about to leave, there's somebody's doing a guitar solo and the hot butter guy's <laughs> like, that's my nephew. Um, I just love that whole scene. Um, James goes on a date with Lisa P. I'm adding this one just because um, it, I think it's funny when his annoying high Free school girl. friend crashes the date. Yeah, that guy's hilarious. You son of a bitch, that's Lisa P. Hey, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm sorry, look, I'm sorry. I thought you were full of shit, but holy shit, there she is. You didn't get me naked pictures of her? Frigo, get the fuck out of here and you can't tell anybody about this, all right, okay? All right, relax, Brennan. What's the word to you? You're shaking me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate you, it's such great fervor. I... This is probably my choice. I, I just have this written down as... Pot cookies, bumper cars, and the cure. Hater does horse raiding. James gets in a fight. Hater with the bat. People are trying to kill me. Get out, motherfucker! Get out of my doorway, motherfucker! Give me a reason. Just give me a fucking reason! You don't know what I'm capable of! Come on, please! You don't know what I'm capable of! That whole like five minute sequence, really the movie goes yeah. off the rails. You took it up. You've been drinking drugs. <laughs> You've been drinking drugs. <laughs> uh, they really let Hater cook in that one. I also love bumper car scenes. That's another one where you're always going to get me. Bumper cars. Who doesn't love bumper cars? Probably terrible for your back. Terrible for your back. Not good for your knees. Could get whiplash, but looks great on, on camera. So much fun. And also the, the movie, all the retired bumper cars. Like I love that too. They just yeah. have it everywhere. We also have James stands up for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, always fun when the when the kind of mealy mouth character who starts to grow one as as we uh, had the thing going on. Um, next one, uh, James and Joel hanging out in the hill with it's the Melville one. story. Like, why bother? They're just gonna forget our names anyway. <laughs> What's the point of being a writer and artist anyway? 
Herman Melville wrote fucking Moby Dick, and he was so poor and forgotten by the time he died that in his obituary, they called him Henry Melville. You know, like, why bother? They're just going to forget our fucking names anyway. Not untrue. Depressing, Good but thing not to untrue. Think about. Yeah. Yeah, Craig... It- Craig, eight, 80 years from now, nobody's going to know you hosted the Ringer Fantasy Show. <laughs> yes, They'll they just will. Know he is Matt Bellany's sidekick. Um, <laughs> no, it, it is true, though. It is a good way to think about things when you get stressed out about stuff. Yeah. Um, also, I like that Joel could hang. Like, I feel like usually they, they try to make James like the literary one, but Joel showing that he actually, you know, he can be in the conversations, a big win for Joel. I have the final rain scene too, which is not a most rewatchable, but I think we have to mention it just because it has, it actually is pretty important. Some of the stuff they say, I think I see you differently than you see me. Kind of mm-hmm. like, kind of like that. Um, you can't just avoid everyone you screw up with. Not untrue. It was, it was good. I think you're just leaving out one option. Let's hear it. What is it? The first scene at Razzmatazz when Lisa P is finally back and they're, and they're all there and, Le- and it starts with Lisa P and her friend dancing. It's just a great ensemble scene. And in general, I love Lisa P. So just, just got to recognize her. I also love Lisa P. So what do you have for most rewatchable? I think I have the pot cookies all the way through Hater with the bat. For me, it's the tour of Adventureland. Just spend time with Joel, setting the scene, getting to know all the crazy people. I love it. And also the... The, breaking the laws of perspective with the basketball hoop. James being so upset was very funny. Craig, what do you have for most rewatchable? I don't typically, like when I'm alone, I don't know if this is weird. I don't laugh out loud a lot when I'm watching comedies, even if I think they're really funny. And I, I laughed out loud at the hater bat scene. <laughs> Hater's really going for it. I have that one as well. Uh, what's age the best? The music is phenomenal in this movie. They, they have 41 songs. They really dip into the late eighties and a lot of the music that, that uh, I was listening to back then that was becoming like the early college radio stuff crossed with, you know, I gotta be honest, a little too much velvet underground and Lou Reed, not a huge <laughs> fan, but Matola, that was like his guy. Um, but some of the ones I hit that replacements, bastards of the young, that's what starts the movie. Dave Bowie's modern love. They picked a really good Rolling Stone song tops, which was from the start me up album that I think is a very underrated stone song. Husker Du, Don't Want to Know If You're Lonely. That was in the car, which Husker Du is like a very early college radio. Crowded House, Don't Dream It's Over, which has been in a bunch of different movies, TV shows, always hits. The Cure, Just Like Heaven. And then uh, it ends with In Excess, Don't Change, which I appreciated because In Excess was the the lost great 80s band. Ended tragically because of how Michael Hutchins died and then... I don't know. I don't feel like they have the same steam that they used to. But anyway, the music, unbelievable job by them. Did you like it? You're, you're a different generation than me. I did. It, it really worked for me. I liked the Velvet Underground, so I was happy to hear it over and over again. I was also wondering if that was like a licensing thing. Like, did they get a certain amount of uh, Pale Blue Eyes that they could just play over and over? Because it was quite a bit. But um, also the Amadeus thing, like how that was like just like the song they played every day at the park was really funny to me. I, I enjoyed all of oh, it. I love that. I had that as the next <laughs> one. The Rock Me Amadeus, the song from hell. Just the perfect choice. <laughs> I love when songs get licensed as, hey, we're going to play this song over and over again. And the joke's going to be that every, all the characters will hate it. And say, great. How much should we get paid? It's all they could afford. Hater's mustache is aged the best. 
Nothing better than a realistic, ridiculous mustache from a different era. It's always great. He's had some good mustaches over the years, too. The uh, the punch in the balls gimmick, really yeah. funny. This was a big, late 80s, early 90s was a big guys just punch each other in the balls. We used to do it all the time in college. Um, I like when the one time he gets punched in the balls, like, what the hell was that? He's like, it's just my life. Uh, <laughs> corn dogs. Did this movie want to make you have a corn dog by the end of the movie? Well, I really love corn dogs, so it's not hard. And yes, I definitely did. Although seeing the boxes, like the final corn dog moments, you see all of them being yeah. loaded in. I was like, that's a little bit gross. But yes, I definitely did want to have a corn dog. What about you? Corn dog's one of those things. I never want to have a whole one, but I always want to bite. Yeah. That's why the mini ones are the best. Yeah. The yellow mustard on them. Lisa P. I love this actress. Me too. And I don't, there's certain actors and actresses when I don't understand why they didn't totally make it. She, the probably the most famous thing she's been in was the deuce. Definitely which, the most uh, famous. Yeah. Which I thought she was fantastic in. And I, I have some information about her later. Her name is, I'm blanking. Margarita, Lev, Margarita Levieva. Yeah. I, I had it written down. Yeah, she's from Russia. I have some good info about her later. Um, I thought she was great in this. I also like two other things with Lisa P. One is that the name Lisa P is just funny because there Hilarious. are always these people where you have, there was obviously two Lisas at some point, but now Lisa R is gone or Lisa B and now it's <laughs> just Lisa P's left, but they still call her Lisa P. Um, and then- the whole concept of somebody like this before social media, where you just have the girl that everybody has a crush on, but now it would just be somebody who was on Instagram and kind of owning it and milking it and taking pictures of herself every day. Um, and this was like kind of the organic way. There was like, oh, that cute girl at the park who she dances in front of the ride and that's it. Everybody likes her. Yeah, she, and it's She does it without that. the cameras. She does it without the cameras. Like she's just ready to roll, ready to show you her moves. And also the excitement when she comes in, They're like Lisa P's back, Lisa P's back. Right. <laughs> we can all feel it. <laughs> that was another one of my what's age the best. The slow motion entrances of a hot girl or a hot guy <laughs> is just a staple of these movies for things slow down. I love that. Craig, if you ever direct a movie, make sure you have a slow motion entrance. Um, the boner you've got a boner fucking kills me. I, it's just laugh out loud funny. It's, it's always going to be hilarious. Mixtapes. Mm, I think it's aged the yes. best. What do you do now? Like make a like a Spotify playlist. Just not as fun as seeing the written songs on a mixtape. Also, it's like way easier. It was hard to make a mixtape, so it took a lot of effort. People had to like really think about it. Have a dual tape deck, right? Like that. Who had that? It was a hard thing to do. <laughs> There was a lot of thought put into what's the first song? What's the last song on the first side of the album? How are you starting the second song? How are you stacking stuff? What are you trying to say? Mixtapes. Yeah, then you couldn't change it around. No, like you're committed once it. you picked your order. The stepmom, <laughs> I like that uh, you mentioned how not only was there some serious stepmom energy with her, but just um, she's kind of a villain, but not really, not her fault. But I, I just like how they used her. Martin Starr. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he would decide when <laughs> he's, that girl says he she can't fall through with him because he's Jewish and and he's uh, Jewish. and 
who's Kristen Stewart's really upset about it. He's like, it's okay. Worst things have happened to the Jews. <laughs> it's such a good throwaway line. And then she gets mad and defensive. Um, Emma, the, the stepmom's haircut forgot to mention just classic late eighties. Yeah. Late eighties. That haircut was gone and has never been seen again since like 1988. What else do you have for what stage the best? Um, the skewering of 22 year olds who went to liberal arts colleges, all of those jokes just were so funny to me. And they, they really played. I also, uh, I, I really liked M asking why he needed to go to journalism school. If he wanted to be a travel writer like Dickens. And that was so funny. Very, very relevant. Still a great question. Maybe just start writing people. Um, really, enjoy, <laughs> really enjoyed that. Uh, just, just the real like making fun of Oberlin. I thought was hilarious. I it, it's one of my favorite things in the movie. But you listed a lot of really good ones. Uh, everything having to do with like the Catholic versus Jewish was was pretty funny. Yeah, I forgot to we mentioned at the top, but just a a carnival as a scene for as a location yeah. for a movie. I went. I I was like, is this? One of the best carnival movies, where does it rank? There's just not a lot of movies set at carnivals. There's movies that have been in there, like they'll pass through them. Like Big has carnival scenes, but it's not a carnival movie. But in general, nobody's really done this that much. Action Park, Johnny Knoxville made, I guess. Um, yeah, I was thinking about The Way, Way Back, which is a water park, kind of similar. But again, it's a water park. The Kid Cudi Pursuit of Happiness Award for Best Needle Drop. Um I really like when, how they use Husker Do in this movie, and I really like how they use that Rolling Stones song. But Rock Me Amadeus kicking in right after James finds out that M quit is just perfect. It's like the 19th time we've heard the song, but it's like the funniest. It's really good. But he's the married one. Yeah, M's a freaking homewrecker. Yeah, he's cheating on his wife. Though. I can't believe you're defending her. What? What, because guys can be shitty and women can't? Whoa. The music! Express. He's like trapped in hell and in hell Rocky Amadeus <laughs> plays every 10 minutes and it's been happening to him for the whole summer. It's so funny. Great. <laughs> the uh the big kahuna burger were best use of food and drink, the corn dog. The corn dog throwing in his jaw. That was great. <laughs> The crowded house fireworks scene when they're kind of, there's some fireworks with them and then it cuts to Martin Starr just kind of eating a phallic corn dog. Uh, the corn dog is just over and over again a great character in this. Den of Thieves, Benny Hahn Awards, scene stealing location. I really liked M's house. I like that. It okay. reminded me a little like the Anchorman house crossed like a Boogie Nights house or something. Yeah. Great shot, Gordo Award, most cinematic shot. Probably The Hill. I think it's when Lisa P and James get high together, sitting in the retired cars of like whatever oh, ride one. that was. It's like very, it's like the red and yellow in the foreground, and then like the very gray Pittsburgh in the background. It looks, it looks really nice, and it's like it gives Lisa P the gravity she deserves. I like it. Good call. What do you have for the Butch's girlfriend award? Weak link of the film. You know, I think even though it was funny, uh, the Catholic girl. I think that's just sort of like. We don't, we don't really need her. And like in general, that's sort of like a... There was other ways to feel bad for Martin Starr and like other ways to like really feel for Joel. And I just didn't think that was particularly additive to this movie. What do you think? 
it was funny on the one hand because it led to his line that I thought was hilarious. On the other hand, I, I just don't think Catholic versus Jewish was a big deal in 1987. Yeah, if this was I don't 1957, either. I could see it, but in 1987, I didn't see it. I had, I really liked the Ryan Reynolds character for the whole point of the character, which is this guy seems like he's cool and he has his shit together, but actually he's a fucking loser. Don't be like this guy. <laughs> With that said, I wanted like a little more wisdom for him. Like mm -hmm. he has a couple moments with Eisenberg where, um, I don't know, it, like they set it up where Eisenberg's character like looks up to this guy and he's looking for him for advice and stuff, but the advice wasn't that good. And no, not at all. I don't know. It just seemed like he was a little bit on autopilot, the character. I thought for me, like... I like Ryan Reynolds. I didn't love the character. I wanted more from it. Yeah, he didn't. You don't really understand why M liked him, except for the fact that he was older. And it seemed like and his bullshit was like, and yes, of course, and good looking. But I think when you're like a 19 or 20 year old girl, older goes a really long way. Like you could be 35 and like medium, but like the fact that the 35 year old's interested in you, like, has to be meaningful in some way. So I yeah. feel like the age was a big piece of it. But it's true. Like he didn't, th there was not a lot of charm to him. Yeah, just more charming, better advice. I need I need something. And I, I didn't feel like it totally got there. What's age the worst? I mentioned a little too much Lou Reed for my liking. Apparently in the early versions of the script, Neil Young was the uh, musician. And I don't know whether they couldn't clear the whites or whatever, and they eventually moved it to Lou Reed. Would you have liked that more? No, it's about the same. I, I, I okay. wasn't a huge Neil Young guy either. The... Uh, the Scarlet V mm -hmm. is aged the worst, not because it's like offensive. It's just like, I I think that was something that was there in the late eighties and kind of died, but that was a sure. thing we said in the late eighties. But I don't know if, if you're like, like, I don't know if Craig would have known that, but the Scarlet V was like a thing people said. And then it just kind of went away. I thought it was from the movie. I'd, I've never heard that before. So even I didn't know it and I'm older than Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had I had uh, Joel being rejected for being Jewish and what stage the worst. So we agreed on that one. And then the Jack Black ripoff guy, I, I didn't feel like they landed the plane on that character. That was like, if it had been five years earlier, the, the guy who was like, uh, when he was talking to M and he was doing like the crazy mm. oh, music. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I didn't think, feel like they landed the plane on that dude. Any other what stage the worst? I think using the F word and the R word for humor, it just... You just don't do that anymore. People acknowledge that those words are out. You Jeez. don't agree? Well, I, I just... Who, who brought the party pooper? <laughs> it's conspicuous in the movie. It has to be addressed. <laughs> what do you have for the Ron Burger, the flute award for uh, best time for a pee break? I love Lisa P. However, their date, their formal date, totally just go to the bathroom during that. Make it back for when he goes outside to talk to Frigo, but when they're like, Entering the restaurant and sitting down, Good ordering. Call. She smells her wine glass. I don't need it. You just eject that scene. Amazing call. I really like the Frito part, but the uh, <laughs> the other part, you're right. Was there a better title for this movie? No. No. Definitely not. Best quote I'm going with, quit worrying, Brennan. That's what the weed is for. I think that's a good senior yearbook quote. I would highly recommend it. If anyone's figuring out a senior yearbook thing right now. <laughs> that is a really good one. <laughs> The SAS Hottest Take Award. 
kind of wanted more from Greg Matola. Interesting. Like, and just in general, outside after this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think Greg Matola wanted more as well. I was reading a bunch of interviews with him, and he's, I think, um, like really thought he was like gonna have a huge career both before and after super bad he got this movie made and there hasn't been a ton since and i don't know why i like everything he does i do too and the stuff before the some of the research from before the movie where he does day trippers in 96 which people liked then he was trying to get a couple other movies done that didn't get done he does undeclared he directs um directs some arrested development and kind of becomes a TV director, but is really well respected by in the comedian community. It somehow leads to super bad because Apatow remembers him from Undeclared and Adventureland. Then he does Paul. And I remember I had a, I'd hate her on my podcast initially, probably 09, 10 range. And he was so excited for Paul. And he was like, Greg Matola, he's a genius, all that stuff. And he hasn't worked as much as you would think he would work in the 2010s. Like he did, he did Clear History. He did the newsroom. He did four episodes of directing that. I think he was an EP for most of the show. He directed a couple episodes of Dave, but then he came back in 2022 with Confess Fletch, which I really liked. <laughs> He's got a great hit rate. Not enough yeah, hits. just can we fit four more movies in there, Greg Matola? <laughs> he basically, yeah, he, he he's made one. I'm just talking about big screen movies, and even I'll count Clear History. One, two, three, four. Five in the last 16 years? Yeah, I know. I really thought he would have gotten many more opportunities after this movie too. Because it just like hits on a number of levels. And even if it wasn't huge uh, dollars-wise, it was like beloved when it came out. Like critics really liked it. You can tell his actors really like him. I just was surprised it didn't turn into... It didn't materialize into more. Disappointing. Um, I have a hot take. Can I give you a hot take? Yeah. Ryan Reynolds should really only play losers. Like, this is probably my favorite Ryan Reynolds role. Like, just be the hot loser and live in that space, dude. It kind of, the proposal's not entirely different. He's also kind of a loser in that, but it's like a, you know, a different frequency. But I really prefer him playing like kind of odious characters and someone you're supposed to root for. It's a lot more fun to root against him. Amity Vahar, a great example of that. Casting what ifs. <laughs> Couldn't find any. Me neither surprising lack of research out there on this movie. There's no oral history. There's no long feature. There's no 10 years later. It just kind of came and went from nobody. Nobody's ever dove into it. I think also because it came, it came in the middle of twilight before the social network, like no one really did press for it. So there, like there was no one doing interviews other than Greg Matola. So if we didn't hear it from him, we don't know what happened in the making of this movie. Ruffalo, Hannah, Ribbonek, Partridge overacting award. They knew, and they let it happen. Don't you call me lady. I come in here, I give these things to you. Give me all you got. Listen. Give me all you got. I treated you like a son. You fucking stabbed me in the heart. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I didn't, I didn't really have one for this, did you? No, I agree. I was like, mm, seems like people are just doing their job. I thought, I thought it was really well acted. No one person was in a different movie. I don't know what M's dad is doing in this movie, but I don't know if it's overacting. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a strange performance. Best that guy award. James's dad is a fucking that guy. I had no idea what his name is, and I've seen him in multiple movies. His name is Jack Gilpin, but he's the guy who tells uh, 
he did, and the one of the first scenes, he's like, yeah, you know, we got we're downsizing, blah blah blah. But that guy, he very distinct face, but I didn't know what his yeah. name was. I think also they never say in the movie that he's an alcoholic, like, but he is. Like, he drives with a bottle of liquor in his car, I guess, because he's lost his job and whatever. It's also like a very good that guy role because there's a lot of like ambiguity with him. Yeah. Dion Waiters, is Hater eligible for this? I think he is, but I, I just want to say I think it's Kristen Wiig. She is so funny with, with even less screen time than Bill Hader. She is so hilarious. <laughs> He's passed on. I don't think they're eligible. I Why? think the scenes are too... Well, all right. If they are eligible, we, we could make them co-winners. I would... The traditional Deanne Waiters, I would go for the guy, the hot-blooded lounge singer, that guy. <laughs> Just c- comes in off the top rope. So if we were going like junior Deion Waiters, I go that guy, bigger one. It's either Hater or Wig. What about um James's room? James's college friend Michael Zegan, who plays the asshole really well. He's a good asshole. He's no hot blooded singer. <laughs> you Recasting love that guy. couch. <laughs> <laughs> recasting couch couldn't find a, couldn't find any because I think this movie is really well casted. Maybe recast yeah. uh, James's dad and have. I don't know. That could have been somebody fun. Could have been, yeah. I don't know, Gary Shandling. Oh, that would be good. But then you could be paying yeah. attention to him and like all the focus on the adventure land really works. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know, it sounds good after a long day. Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online. Or in the app, just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes. After 7 p.m. now, exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Have fast internet research. Filmed in Pittsburgh. Most of the screens were shot at Kennywood, which was a historic amusement park in nearby West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Heavily <laughs> altered to look a little run down, but it was based on Matola worked at Adventureland, which is in uh, Farmingdale in New York. So apparently there was a lot of snow during the... Mm. Um, Filming because they were filming during the winter and they had to like constantly remove snow, get rid of snow. If there were scenes where there was snowing, have extra stand in front of windows to block the sight of the snow. Martin Starr's character talks about walnuts and how he, do you want to see me go in an athletic shock? So his Freaks and Geeks character had a nut allergy. And it, they, right. on the internets, they seem to feel like that was a callback to that. All right, here's uh, here's what you need to know about real life Lisa P. So she's Russian. 
She was a really high class Russian gymnast and she was 11 years old and she was called Master of Sports, which is the Whoa. highest level you could get in Russian gymnasts, gymnastics and was headed toward the Olympics, but her family moved to the United States and she started competing and she won. And the problem was uh, she was the New York state champion, but she couldn't compete at the highest level because she wasn't in the United States legally. And oh basically the Olympics didn't happen for her and she ended up becoming an actress instead. Wow. Margarita Levieva, what could have been? Well, I'm happy we had her as Lisa P. So I'm kind of glad it didn't work out. I still, I'm still keeping my stock for her. I agree. She just needs one great prestige TV show. Like let's get her on HBO and off of Showtime. I guess the Deuce was HBO, right? Um, but, this was HBO, but I still like I still like the thought. Let's get her on a on a big ticket HBO show. Let's get yeah. her in like season two of Last of Us. Oh, great idea! Yeah, I just think she needs she just needs one great role. She's still young. Well, this was not her Apex Mountain. No, it was also not Jesse Eisenberg's Apex Mountain. It was not Kristen Stewart's Apex Mountain. What was Kristen Stewart's Apex Mountain? Probably the last Hunger, probably the last uh, Twilight movie where she then could just kind of move on to whatever she wanted because everyone knew who she was. Or maybe the third one because she hadn't broken up with uh, Robert Pattinson yet. But I think it was around that time. For Jam Session, it was probably when she was making out with the director. Definitely. Of, Although uh, I, th Who is the director? Matthew Vaughn of X-Men fame, among other things. Um. I think as a Chanel model, people really, or like Chanel spokesperson, people really like her. And, you know, people like her indie stuff. I, she's, I feel like her cachet is much higher, but this, but now, but Apex Mountain was definitely like around 2011. Ryan Reynolds, no. How about maintenance men? Ryan, they're like, that's Connell, the maintenance guy. I feel like this is probably Apex Mountain for, uh, for, for guys who fix stuff in movies. Somebody saying the words doing push-ups without pants on. I think this is Apex Mountain. I've never heard that before. <laughs> SNL Bill Hader, I'm going to say yes. This is a great, mm. 2009 was a great year for him. It was really when people, Superbad had been out. Superbad was becoming a cult movie. Not a cult movie, a, like a major DVD rewatchable movie at that point. Um, he had... This movie out, SNL, he had Stefan, so he had this character that hit. It just felt like it was like a Bill Hader year. His real Apex Mountain, I think, is has to be one of the barriers. Uh Matola. I say yes. Oh, you because I would say super bad because that then that leads to him being able to make this movie. That's true. I guess I just think this two good movies in a row, you thought he would have parlayed it into something. Like, is is it possible for it to be your Apex Mountain, but you don't do anything with it? Well, he, he did Paul, which I think the that was right. his next one, which I think the comedy community loved, but I don't think it did as well as maybe they were hoping. Um, it's somewhere in here. Amusement park movies. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think so too. I can't think of another one. Eisenberg getting dumped in the first scene of a movie. I'm going to say still social network for that. For sure. And then Falco and Rock Me Amadeus. I actually think this was their apex mountain because that song, it, it did well in 1980, whatever, came and went, but then it now gets to live on in Adventureland and other rewatchables. So there you go. Um, best racehorse name, what'd you have for this? Um, you know, I think there's there's quite a few different options from things that people say, but um, 
some some of my uh, options include laws of perspective, which is a reference to the basketball hoop or like the law of perspective. I I really like that one. What about just giant ass panda? Could that be a racehorse name? <laughs> It probably could. I should have had giant ass panda in Apex Mountain. Also, in like the first minute of the movie, they were, they tell um, James to have sex with a plain looking, plain looking, lonely, depressive, and I thought that would be a good racehorse name too. Hmm. What about Adventureland? Oh, that's fun. Why not? Here comes Adventureland. I think that could work. <laughs> Picking nits. So he can't just try to get a scholarship at. For grad school or or yeah. not a scholarship, uh, do financial aid or just... Right. Especially in the 1980s, people don't know how dangerous some of the financial aid stuff was. I just don't feel like you would give up on the school in 1987. You would figure out a way to do it and try to get it paid for and, you know, basically be like the credit... You'd be basically be opening a credit card with the school that you don't realize that you'd be paying for the next 30 years. I don't think you would have given up on the dream. I I agree. Um, also, if his friend was willing to pay for him in New York, why wasn't his friend willing to pay for him to go to Europe? Like, why don't you just move, move up that, that layaway that you're getting? Good point. I also have, this is, I mean, this is really a nitpick, but this is the whole point of the pick and nits category. Not enough, like, Pittsburgh sports stuff. Huge Pittsburgh, mm. Pittsburgh, huge sports town. So you have the Penguins. Mara Lemieux is like really becoming like the next Gretzky right around now. Uh, Pirates, Barry Bonds is on there with Bobby Bonilla. Steelers, it's like Steelers country. It just felt like, just didn't feel like the, the there was any sports stuff at all. Now the characters weren't like jocks, but couldn't we have seen Ryan Reynolds wearing, I don't know, like an old Bradshaw jersey or, or something. There's some That's indication that say. we're in Pittsburgh. There was a lot of great t-shirts, but no Pittsburgh t-shirts. And that would have been an easy way to do it. Like have Frigo wearing a, Pritz a Pittsburgh shirt of some kind. Or like a Bonds. Like if you're going 87, like you really could have gotten distinct with the sports stuff. So uh, what do you have for picking nits? Anything? Oh, I thought it was weird that he was like, I was supposed to go to Europe. My family has money problems. Would, any, would even this character say my family has money problems like that to strangers? I thought I thought that was pretty weird. <laughs> um, just the way that he presented some of the issues. Like he's not a moron. He just is like hyper self-aware. So I thought that was kind of strange. Um, also, are we supposed to believe that M doesn't know that she's just like one of many for Connell? Like everyone else knows that he brings girls to the, his mom's basement. Is she really the one who's like unaware? She's not them either. Yeah, you're right. That's a good that's a good nitpick. You're basically trying to say that uh she's young and dumb, basically. Yeah, and she's but not. I, I, yeah, she's not. The character we see is actually pretty wise. So I feel like you're right. She would probably would have solved that one. Sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast are untouchable. I it's funny you mentioned Noah Baumbach earlier. I feel like the sequel could have starred these two seven years later and been directed by Noah Baumbach. And now yeah. they're in the late twenties yeah. in New York, and one of them successful, and the other isn't. And like, if we were going to go, that would probably be the the way I would go. I also think there is a prestige TV season that you probably could have pulled off and blown out the world of the amusement park and gone in different directions with the characters. That's one of the reasons we love movie. There's so many different characters that you could have dove in a little more. Yeah, I think you could do all black cast too. And like, what is the coming of age for, you know, like a young black black man after he graduates and doesn't have the like the money yeah. he thinks he's going to? I think that's an interesting one as well. 
Is this movie better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hunt, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, J.T. Welsh, or Philip Baker Hall? Um, well, we don't have Chris here today to do Wayne Jenkins. I actually think <laughs> Catherine Hahn would have been amazing as a stepmother. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been really good. Uh, I think Steve Buscemi could have worked at the at Adventureland. Like, there certainly was a role for him somewhere as like Great a weird call. guy who just won Oscar. Who gets it? Matola. I'd hammer Stewart, but probably Matola. That that yeah. one A one B. I really liked her in this movie. She's great. Probably unanswerable questions. Okay. So Jay's favorite bummer songs, I freeze framed when I was watching. <laughs> There's 24 tracks on it. When when he they're playing the tape, the mixtape that he made for her. Um in the car, Pale Blue Eyes by Velvet Underground is playing. And I freeze I freeze framed it to see what the other songs were. And I can only read a couple of them, which included Vienna. Okay. Milk and Milk and Honey, Graceland, and Maggie May. I don't feel like Vienna is a bummer song. I was actually like bummed out by the choice of Vienna as a bummer song. I really like Vienna. I don't <laughs> that song doesn't make me sad. I think it's bad, I was bad job by too. Jay. I know. I like that song as well. <laughs> like favorite bummer songs. They should have way more Smiths. It should have the cure. We should have had some Joy Division on there. Joy Division. I mean, nothing was more depressing than their music. I, I think he needed to go sadder. He, it, although it's classic him doesn't really know sadness, right? Right. But he thinks he's heartbroken, but he's actually never been in a relationship. Would you have for unanswerables anything? Um, at first, I was like, how old is Joel supposed to be? Because he looks so much older than everyone else. And then, then they say he's in college. But I just we just don't know much about Joel. Like, we know that he has less money. But what's going on with his family? Is he a super senior? I, I need... My spinoff is just about Joel and how he got to where he's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> what, how old do you think Ryan Reynolds was supposed to be? Probably 35 or like 32. Like hmm. meaningfully older than them, and like to have been in a get, accidentally get married, but um, yeah. What do you think? I would I would have said probably like twenty nine thirty range, something like that. Um, I would have given him one extra wrinkle, like a prison record, or there's some sort of reason <laughs> like why life didn't work out slightly better for him. He's got to use his mom's basement. It's a terrible marriage, the whole thing. How did his wife find out? She's not like hanging out with these. 20-year-olds. So how did he get to her? Great question. <laughs> like, she's not in this friend group. Smaller town, maybe, than we realized. I have another one that I'm going to do in a, a later category. Best double feature choice with this movie. So I was thinking either Wet Hot American Summer mm. or um, the one you mentioned, The Way, Way, Way Back. Or The Way, yes, Way that's Back. A fun movie. Whatever that one's called. It's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. Sam Rockwell. Um, what about Dazed and Confused? So you go 70s, and then you go yeah. 80s with this movie. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I like that one. And it's another sort of like defined marker of like, you know, young person life, end of school. Which one would you watch first? I think Days and Confused. So you go 70s and 80s? I think this is a real B-side movie. I love it, but it doesn't have like the same weight or like just immediate like iconic feeling that like a Days and Confused does or, you know, some of the Apatow movies. It's a slow burn. The Indian Red Zawatne Award, what happened the next day? So I think they probably broke up like three weeks later. I really want to Definitely. know what happened to him over the next year, though. What happens to <laughs> James over the next year? 
He's working at like a TGI Fridays. Does he cross over with cocktail? Does he meet Coglin and Flanagan? And do we have like, could that have been the crossover cocktail in Adventureland too? I think you're reaching really high for him. I was imagining more of like a bookstore or like a record store or something <laughs> while he tries to write for like the Village Voice or I don't know, trying trying to figure out a way to like visit a prison like his I, his uh, role model, Charles Dickens. I like the bookstore idea. Um, what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? I like the rides, 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 rides t-shirt or I'd want the mixtape. Um... I would definitely want one of Frigo's shirts. The one that says, I'm, I'm, I'm Frigo, capiche? That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of good t-shirts. I would definitely want one of those. <laughs> the Coach Finstock Award for Best Life Lesson. Um, I would go, beware of the cool, braggy older guy who really turns out to be more of, I guess, a cautionary tale. <laughs> would be my pick. The The... the the guy who seems a little like he outkicked his coverage to be working at the amusement park, there's probably a reason he's not cool. Never go to the, to the guy you're dating's basement if he doesn't actually live there. Like, if it's going to be a basement, make sure it's in his actual home. That's a great one. I like that one more. <laughs> who won the movie for you? I think it's Kristen Stewart. This, me to too. me, is my favorite My favorite Kristen Stewart. She like plays it perfectly in a way that you believe in M, and she's just really great. I agree. I have her as well. Let's say we're producer Craig. Thanks. What'd you think of this movie, Craig? I remember when it came out, it came out my freshman year of high school and I remember nobody saying anything about it. And I, I can't even remember if I saw it back then or not. Maybe I just saw clips, but it's a great movie and it's a really good script. And I think the reason why this movie didn't really work, I, I think it was misadvertised. I think the trailer made it look like it was a slapstick comedy. And I think people expected super bad too, like post-college Super bad. It even had the same aesthetic as Super Bad. Like Super Bad looks very 80s. Even the start of the movie has like a 80s disco dance sequence thing. Has the same color palette. So I just feel like everybody was like, this is Super Bad Part Two. And then in reality, it was like an angsty, moody, much more like intellectual. The dialogue was much smarter. And it just it feels like Matola got the green light on this because Super Bad was was so good. And this was his like personal story to tell. And I just think people were probably a little bit disappointed because they were expecting, if you watch the trailer, it looks like a slapstick comedy and it's not. Right. I remember I being mildly disappointed that. with the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. If it had been advertised as like new from Noah Baumbach, Adventureland, I go in thinking like, oh, all right, this will probably be quirky, funny, but. But like um, the trailer has Bill Hader with the bat and like, it's all of the like jokes jammed into a two minute trailer. And I think everybody was like, oh, awesome. Super bad after college. And it wasn't. I think that's fair. I think that's a good, yeah. that's a good analysis of this. Cause there's a reason this movie is like, I was watching it with my wife the other night and I had it on and she didn't even know what I was watching. She's like, did we see this? And I was like, yeah, I think we saw it. I think we actually saw it in the right. theaters. I don't remember this. And then we're watching and it gets to the boner part. And she's like, this movie's great. Why haven't, <laughs> why haven't we watched this? And I was like, I watch this all the time when it's on. Um, but I do think it was a slow burner, which happens sometimes with these. We've, we've covered a few of them in the rewatchables. This is definitely one of them. Um, all right. This was produced by Craig Horlbeck as always. Juliet Lippman, a pleasure as always. Me. We have we have a huge rom com coming a little bit later this spring that I haven't told you about. Wow, what a tease for me yeah. and everyone. <laughs> yeah, one of the OGs. 
Uh, do by the way, do you follow this Instagram account that has all these movie premieres from the eighties and nineties? No, Send it I to do. Me. It, it's a great account. I think Craig might have been the one that told me about it. It's by some Riley guy, or something. But they had some some good. Uh, it was some Julia Roberts from the early nineties, and it's like it's it's this pre Us Weekly, or maybe Us Weekly was around them. But you get all this celebrity culture stuff and these weird couples that are at the premieres together. Craig, you like this account? Yeah, it's called Night Openings. It's awesome. All right, yeah. I'm gonna. That's an instant follow. Sounds great. Yeah, it's just like '80s, '90s premieres, all the outfits. It's great. They had a Buffy the Vampire Slayer premiere recently, and um, the first picture was Jason Priestley and the lady who played Emily Valentine. I was like, this is a top five Instagram <laughs> account. I'd pay for this Instagram. Um, all right, that's it for the rewatchables. We'll see you next week. Bye. 